Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I'm your host, Zachary Allard. And I'm Michael Tabor. Michael, you know, I gotta say, I'm a little surprised. This week, since we recorded last week, has been less hectic and insane in terms of, like, things happening. I mean, it depends on how much you count uh, Donald Trump's Twitter feed as things. Because that has been very active. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. You're right. That's the only thing I really should care about. Yeah. But that aside. That and the stock market. Yes. But his feed aside, you know, I got to say, things slowed. I I do feel like fewer sort of new crises have emerged other than Amy Coney Barrett was unable to name the five freedoms protected by the First Amendment. So that's promising from a Supreme Court justice. Listen, uh, she doesn't need to name them because by the time she's done, there's not going to be five freedoms. <laughs> we, we will have forgotten. The, the names will be lost to history. Michael, what, what are we talking about this week? Okay, so we, you've got a couple things to get to. One, we're going to be doing a quick look at a new entry in the shitty Christian's canon. Uh, this is this is really honestly just sort of an appetizer this is this is we're going to be taking a look at john cooper the longtime lead singer of the rockinest christian band you ever saw at a youth revival festival skillet and oh man i i have listened to a fair amount of skillet back in my I, day i have by seen which skillet I mean play live Tuesday. in a in a <laughs> farm in north carolina uh i have i have definitely experienced that but john here has been taking a bit of a uh let's say a late period departure or Mm. reinvention you know he got really into two things uh crossfit nice and reactionary politics oh hard hard turn there i hard to say which one is worse honestly so we are angelinos this is a pro crossfit podcast michael i'm sorry (laughs) fuck off uh so we're going to be taking a brief look at how uh, John Cooper here reacted to people protesting in Kenosha, his hometown. Uh, but really what we're going to be doing is introducing John Cooper to our listeners because, frankly, this is a, this is a rich text and I can't wait to return. Also, shout out to one of our listeners who sent in an email sort of asking, uh, hey, are you guys thinking about looking at you know Christian music artists in general, which is a great idea and I would love to do more mm-hmm. of, and then specifically brought up John Cooper, which sent me down a rabbit hole that I will probably never emerge from. So thank you to that listener. <laughs> thank you for that email. Uh, I had a ball. Uh, falling falling down a really dark hole um i'm i'm excited for you and john yeah it, it's like alice in wonderland but it's all just gab posts um <laughs> so really fun stuff and then our main topic today is we're going to be taking a look at ravi zacharias uh, a christian apologist according to some the christian apologists of the century uh, who's been up to some shit prior to his death a handful of months ago? I said, until we killed his ass, he was yeah, up to yeah, some shit. Until we handled that shit. Uh, parody, parody. <laughs> all in the game. He's dead. We can say that. <laughs> we can't say we killed him. <laughs> no, I know, but it's not a threat. And it's also obviously not no, true. No, it's we not can... a threat. It's an admission of guilt, you <laughs> idiot. <laughs> Listen, we got, we got the heart attack gun out. Turns out we didn't need it. He already had a rare form of cancer. Sometimes, sometimes things work out. 
<laughs> so we're going to be taking a look. We're going to be trying to answer the question, who is Ravi Zacharias? And mm. I am excited to get into it because it, is, it turns out he is a lot of things, most of them not very good. But first, Zach, <laughs> why don't you give just a quick update? You know, we've been going hard on the, the politics the last couple weeks. I don't want to spend yeah. a ton of time on it. But give me, give me a Trump date, if you will. Yes, thank you. Uh, I, I believe shitty Christians coined that term, by the way. And so every time someone uses it, make sure to PayPal us. And yeah, every every time uh, the Atlantic sends us 50 cents and a middle finger. Trump, unfortunately, seems to be doing not just well, but thriving. Yes. I mean, listen, if we've learned anything, it's that when you pump a old dude full of experimental medication he's going to be doing really well for a little while and then shit's going to get weird and i'm not saying he's going to die i'm just saying that like we might be dealing (laughs) with you know a sentient flesh blob akira style at some point like this this could get funky but currently it it is a different brand of funky currently he is in he was in florida this week and he held a rally and he danced oh did you see the dance Oh, I saw the dance. He was like pop, trying to pop and lock. Basically, you, you know, we were talking about with the debate how like this was sort of a a grizzled, unhappy, petulant Trump. Yes, it lacked the sort of like loose, mm. moving and grooving 2016 vibes. And let me tell you, it, I he has been promising this experimental medication that he took uh, to seniors, and I just want to <laughs> get on that list because this man looks like he's having a good time. No, I got you know. I think it's too late for him. I don't think this changes the math or anything. And, and all the polls are immobile except towards Biden. But I got to say, he's fun again. This is 16 Trump again. He is out there. He is like moving and grooving. He wanted to after getting out of the hospital. This is one of my two favorite anecdotes from the week. And then we can move forward relatively quickly. But the first one is he wanted to get out of the hospital and like pretend to be sickly when he was being interviewed like at the white house and then he wanted to rip open his shirt revealing a superman uh sort of shirt underneath it and i think that's so awesome i unabashedly (laughs) think that's the coolest shit if the president of the united states had done that he's a born entertainer listen this man is a monster just to be clear (laughs) just to be very clear everything he does is evil and wrong including liking superman uh, but that would have been a pretty interesting move. I have to say, I, I, I am pro more presidents, presidential candidates, Bernie Sanders in mm. particular, ripping yeah. their shirts off to reveal secret shirts underneath. That's just a good move every time. Yeah, no, it's, I, I truly think it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> in the last like 24 to 36 hours, he's tweeted about a hundred times. An hour. Uh, he tweeted about a hundred times an hour. The man, the man yeah, cannot be stopped. He is just rolling on Twitter. A couple, couple highlights before I get to my sort of end it with my favorite moment. But um, he tweeted a picture of Biden photoshopped in a nursing home. Biden the, for The resident. man that was literally hospital, hospitalized last week is now shitting on other candidates for their health. It is both a good own and not necessarily the direction he should go. Yeah. And then, of course, some scold libs have been like, you know, seniors are a real issue in this country, which I think is very funny and missing the point of everything. Um, stimulus, go big or go home. Which, yeah, uh, again. T- update, they went home. <laughs> <laughs> to be very fair, you should not have given... given them both options, Trump. Come on. <laughs> it's, again, very funny when it's like, I'm pre- I'm not a Nancy Pelosi fan. I think she generally sucks. I think she's 
kicking Donald Trump's ass at this currently. And that should tell you something, given my feelings about Nancy Pelosi. Actually, I don't know if I agree with that. I think Pelosi has been shitting the bed really hard. I don't know if you saw her Wolf Blitzer interview. I did see that. That was bad. That was still... I, I, you know, not not to not to quote things other people have said on the internet, but like, how do you get owned by Wolf Blitzer? It's 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 bad. It's not. Uh, I still think, in general, holding out for the bigger number, blah blah blah, was the right move. But we don't have to get too far down that rabbit hole. Trump's son Eric said he literally saved Christianity. Yes, yes, I did see that. I did see that. Um. Uh, and so add that to the list of Donald Trump's many crimes. Yeah. <laughs> he he said Kavanaugh should sue his accusers. And I feel like Brett Kavanaugh's in the background being like, dude, why the fuck are you bringing this up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, <laughs> right. shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Dude, everyone knows I'm a monster. Why do you keep bringing... Yes, he has great idea. I'll sue them and bring up all of that evidence. Great. Super um, great But time. finally, my personal favorite was at that rally in Florida where he was dancing. He talked about... How, how well he's doing, how much better he is. And I, I think it's, I, I don't want to read a ton of long quotes, but this one is worth it. Donald Trump at this rally said, quote, I could have stayed in the basement of the White House or maybe the top floor of the White House. I could have done that. I could, I could have been on many floors. <laughs> could have been in the bathroom. Could have been in the other mm-hmm. bathroom. I could have done that. But I'm the president of the United States. I can't do that. I got to get out and I have to meet people and I have to see people. And I know it's risky to do that, but you have to do what you have to do. You know I'm the president. I can't sit in the basement and say, let's wait this thing out. I'm not going to do that. And I'm immune. They tell me I'm immune. I could come down and start kissing everybody. Kiss every guy, man and woman. Man and woman. Look at that guy. How handsome he is. I'll kiss him. Not with as much enjoyment, but that's okay. You know, it's it's really it's really nice to have a president that supports uh, queer issues. Yeah, you know, bi visibility is always a problem, and I think just Trump really wanted to get it out there. I, I wish I could say welcome to our first swinger president, but that is just factually inaccurate. Oh yeah, um, no, he's not in the top ten swinger presidents. I it would not actually surprise me if Donald Trump was our first president to remove handshaking in favor of open mouth kissing. <laughs> Like if this was just a full on <laughs> face lick situation, you just mm-hmm. you just come up like touching the hem of Jesus's robe, except it's just Donald Trump's sweaty tongue just sort of l- lapping up the yeah. side of your forehead, just basting you in Corona. Exactly, exactly. It just it like a turkey on Thanksgiving. Donald Trump meeting his people. I I got I love that. It's funny. It's it's weird. It's the kind of thing I'm 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 gonna be honest with you. He's the worst person ever. But it's the kind of it's the kind of deli- fun details we used to get from Trump all the time. Yeah, he, uh, listen, fuck this guy, fuck everything he fuck stands him, for. Uh, you know, even making a joke about him being a queer accepting president ignores the fact that he is, ignores all of the thing horrible things he has done to uh, LGBTQ people, especially mm. trans rights, and the fact that like we now have gay marriage once again up for debate in the Supreme Court. So like, no, there's nothing fucking cute here. But in this hellhole that we all live in, can we not mm-hmm. at least take a moment to appreciate? Uh, Donald Trump from the campaign stage just wafting Corona into the air like his, it's his signature <laughs> scent, threatening to open mouth kiss handsome men in the audience. Like that is that is some big Drake energy right there. Yeah, it's, it is. I'm entertained, and and 
uh, horrified, but still amused. Yeah. Uh, so that's what's going on with our big, wet, still very probably contagious and sick president. Yeah. Uh, I I I can't the the like I'm immune. I'm perfect. I'm better than I've ever have been. Like the fact <laughs> that like I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that the proto fascist <laughs> is doing the Ubermensch thing. That's not surprising. Sure. Of course he's doing it. What I am a little surprised at is how insistent he is on doing it when you can see his body. Like, oh, I know. It's just like, I don't no, quite know how you pull off Superman and look like Donald Trump. That's a special, that's a special task. Donald Trump actually inside, I'm sure is deeply insecure. But uh, I, I both kind of long for that level of sort of like of pro- projected uh, self-confidence. But secondly, he released a video talking to seniors and was like, I know you don't think I'm a senior, but I am one. And I was just like that. <laughs> yeah, funny. yeah, I I did see that because he's tanking currently with seniors, like like old people in America, unequivocally the worst. Uh, oh yeah, are now just now figuring out that like, hey, this Donald Trump guy's kind of whack. If he, Donald Trump doesn't get seniors, this is all over but the crying. Uh, but let's move forward. Yeah, so let's let's talk about skillet, shall we? <laughs> I mean, good this for is... whipping up eggs. Good for making hard rocking, uh, you know, anthems about vaguely Christian sentiments. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Zach, we mentioned this briefly, but like you said, you have some experience listening to Skillet. Yeah, I remember uh, being like in high school and in middle school and just, you know, driving in my buddy's car and him putting on Skillet and being like, this is kicks ass yeah like vivid memories of like uh and being like thinking in my head like i'm not sure about that but i guess this kicks ass i'm gonna go with like i'm going to choose to assume that uh frankly i'm amazed that you were in anyone's car that was playing skillet because in the high school that i went up to that would have exclusively been like dave matthews band like live recordings so frankly you're still wait was it red rocks holy shit uh, there was one he did with a guitarist that I just like is ingrained forever in my brain entirely non-consensually. Like people just, I will, I, I know every note on that album and I never put it on. I just tell a tiny anecdote about Dave Matthews here. Of course you can, Zachary. What are we even here for? I remember uh, when there was like, when we were uh, in North Carolina and some shitty Southeastern president who was out as a sex pest, Dr. Reed. I remember him uh, at a event for young people talking about excellence and then talking about how he likes Dave Matthews and all the musicians in there trying to identify with young people. And that was the moment when I realized maybe not that precise one, but one of many, I had to leave Christian culture forever (laughs) or kill everyone in that room. There were two options available to you that day. And I did both. I took both because, you know, that's the that's that's what you have to learn is, is you know, never compromise. <laughs> okay, so John Cooper, lead singer of Skillet, yes. a band that has been going for decades. Uh, <laughs> you know, I knew them in my, like, early teen years. I completely forgot they existed. Turns out they yeah. have been just doing this thing, this hard rock thing. And awesome. so... If you want to get to know John Cooper, I think the thing that you need to know is that he is still rocking the, like, early 2000s era Green Day eye makeup. Like, that is that's 100% still his look. Eyeliner, doing it. Uh, listen, we are all for anyone who wants to wear makeup wearing makeup. It's just the specific execution of it that is just like, oh, okay, that's a choice. 
Listen, he's buff now. It's okay. Okay, yeah. So the other thing, he he got into CrossFit. He's very into CrossFit. He posts a lot about his CrossFit. He got the, like, <laughs> giant beard. He's got the tattoos. He looks like a guy that would be wearing, like, grunt-style shirts. Like, mm. that is very much his sort of day-to-day vibe. And then his, like, show vibe is, like, that, but with, like, more flamboyance. Like, mo- more makeup, more, like, you know, steam cannons, fire, like... People don't talk enough about how, like, the guys and the, the rockers in the late 90s and early aughts are still obviously descended in style from 80s hair metal. They just wash it with this kind of fake masculinity. Yeah, it's, you know, speaking of, of you know, somewhat toxic masculinity, John Cooper right. also has his own male grooming line awesome this is so good and by the way they sponsored this week's episode yeah yeah thank you thank you for listening uh if you if you want to have you been interested in grooming your male self (laughs) yeah yeah your specifically male self uh would you like some hair wax would would you like your beard to smell like a stale campfire that's been peed on after five (laughs) too many pbrs uh at a at a high school party that you never should have been at Fellas, is it gay for your hair to smell like fruit, but okay for your hair to smell like leather? <laughs> I, uh, listen, I, there are, there are some products in my cabinet that means that I'm being a little bit of a hypocrite when I'm shitting on woodsy scents. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, John Cooper, uh, one final anecdote before, before we get to what this actually was. Uh, he wrote a comic book. He's a big comic guy. He likes Excellent. to post pictures of himself reading so he, Marvel. So he's like Tanisi Coates. Say I what? got you. I got, so he's like Tanisi Coates. Basically the exact same. Gotcha. Cool. Uh, and yeah, so this this uh, comic book, I didn't. we will have to order a copy, I think, for Shitty Christians. That seems <laughs> like a very simple next step. Uh, but it is a post-apocalyptic tale, somewhat based around him and his wife, uh, in sort of a vague thing where there are raiders killing people and they have to go find what is presumably another tired heaven, you know, metaphor. Uh, oh no, he's one of those dudes, those Christian guys who read The Road once and was like, I would totally be this guy. Yeah, he, he, totally he exactly, he is doing a bad Christian The Road. Which every, every Christian guy wants to do. I just want to say, this is a Christian guy fantasy, and I'm not better than that. Uh, the Road is quite honestly probably the only fiction book that most of these people have read in the past couple decades. Yeah, it is the... I, by the way, I think The Road's a great book, but it is the equivalent of, like, leather hand, leather-scented hand balm of literature. Yes. Uh, so that's John Cooper. John Cooper, as it turns out, lives in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Of course. So this culminated in him making some posts on the internet about how he doesn't appreciate all this the here protesting. Mm. And he had several posts where he is walking around his town when literally nothing is happening. It's a quiet suburban street. But he's talking about how he never thought that he would need to get his AR and be prepared to defend his family from all these evil rioters that are five blocks away, burning things down. 
you know, he's taking pictures in downtown of boarded up businesses and writing these long sort of Instagram, you know, rants about how terrible this is. And, you know, he'll he'll do the like half measure being like, you know, there's lots of good people protesting that want want real change. But then there's these violent agitators. And weirdly, he's not talking about the police officers that shot James Blake. And he's not talking about the like little baby Nazi that uh, shot Mm -hmm. a couple protesters who, you know, rightly pointed out that this dude need to get the fuck out. Uh, he's talking about these these agitators and he's talking about leftist militias and Antifa and all this stuff. And this culminated in a really weird interview on Fox News. Okay, I gotta be honest with you. You could do an entire podcast about these sort of demis, every demi celebrity that Fox News pulls in from the like right wing Christian sort of sphere. It's great. I love it. So, so two couple things to note with this interview. One, he is doing the interview in the shirt for the business that makes his line of male grooming products. Awesome. So yes. he is talking Cross about promotion, presumably very serious issues, and also getting a little self promotion in there, which is nice great. Job. You love well to done. see it. Always on that grift. <laughs> Always be grifting, John Cooper. Uh, second, <laughs> he tones down his rhetoric slightly for Fox. He makes a couple more feints to like, oh, you know, there are real issues that need to be addressed. And, you know, a lot of these protesters are good people. I know people that are protest. But then immediately pivots to Kenosha is a great town. We're not racist here. Everyone's really nice here. There are no issues with racism here. <laughs> oh, yes. Wisconsin. Noted place with no racism. Noted place. Completely absent of ra- A utopia. Wisconsin. <laughs> oh, man. It's like... The gaslighting and saying there are no problems with racial injustice in a city that just shot an innocent man and then had protests where more more protesters were shot. Uh, pretty, pretty fucking special. A protest that, by the way, like right wing militia types did show up to and just sort of like wandered around with the support of police. It's it speaks to a certain inability to recognize anything that didn't happen to you specifically. Like John Cooper walks around everywhere in his life, assuming that any part of the world that his eyes are not currently like looking at just ceases to exist yeah i mean i've I've made this joke many times he along with a lot of these people lack object permanence but also i think it's even more specific he doesn't he assumes every single other human being is john cooper yeah that they're has john cooper's exact life experience shitty aughts christian bands like he he like asked people what the war like what their what their thoughts on the warp performing at the warp tour were yeah yeah when he meets them he speaks to people as if they have all uh been grammy nominated Which, by the way, if you've ever needed more uh, more proof that the Grammys are pointless. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so, yeah. And then and then he, like, tries to end on this, like, racial reconciliation through spiritual leadership thing where he's like, we got all the pastors together. I'm talking black, yellow, red. And it's just like, my Ooh. guy. <laughs> my guy. That is... Maybe, maybe not. Given the other context, I don't. I don't have a problem with people acknowledging the color of people's skin. But like in the context of everything else, you're saying maybe shut the fuck up. So <laughs> yeah, it's it it exactly exactly. John Cooper, <laughs> as it turns out, he has a podcast where he talks about things like cancel Christianity culture, sure, and other super cool, super normal stuff. And frankly, I can't wait to dive in because it is just an hour of this man staring into a camera with some wood behind him 
just okay bernie did that be careful <laughs> hey hey bernie had a closed chair it's different uh, the other response i would have accepted there is bernie's also canceled <laughs> <laughs> at least until november at the end uh, end of the election maybe i've got bernie on mute sorry bro uh you can slide into oh. my dms after that we'll see how it goes uh so that's john cooper uh Marvel comics loving, Antifa hating, CrossFit bro, uh, basically a sentient energy drink. And frankly, I can't wait to dive in more. Yeah, I uh, I welcome him to the rich panoply yeah. of of shitty Christian stars and uh, send us a free copy of your comic book so we can make fun of it on air. Yeah, that so that cool. we can mock it mercilessly uh, for a podcast. <laughs> that would be really fun. I frankly I would I would really enjoy that. Uh shout yeah, outs uh, shout outs again to that listener who sent that in. It is it is one of my favorite yes. messages to get when someone's like, "Hey, check out this new terrible thing." <laughs> oh yes. No, I want to say thank you. And also for the rest of you listeners, are you going to let this guy like become listener number 1 like that? Uh yeah, this person um we'll see. This person's eating this person's eating your lunch. Send us some things. <laughs> send send us that. more horrible things. No, Here's they're the they're far from on. the first. I, I have to say our listeners I, are pretty I good know. at that, but it was just one that was just so perfect and so timely. <laughs> Michael, what are we talking about next? Okay, so let's get to the main event, shall we? Uh, as we mentioned at the top, we are going to be talking about Ravi Zacharias. Uh, All right. According to the New York Times, this is this is the uh, you know uh, Webster's defines Ravi Zacharias as. <laughs> an evangelist and author who became an important voice for Christians by making rational arguments for the existence of God and vigorously defending the faith against atheists, relativists, Buddhists, and other challengers. There is a real problem as Christian. You can't walk down the street without a Buddhist getting in your shit. <laughs> yeah, I, it's a I real really, issue, It's really man. tough when I'm just trying to like head down to the Ralph's and pick up a sparkling water, and then a relativist gets all up in my fucking face. Some motherfucker <laughs> comes up to you and is like beating you over the head with the eight noble truths, and it's just it isn't cool, man. Yeah, I, you know it's it, and I appreciate. Listen, whatever we have a lot of things to say about Ravi, but you know his run at uh, the WWE Championships, holding down the the title year after year, Undertaker style, taking all comers, you know, Buddhists on the top ropes, relativists sliding in, you know, atheists messing with the, the ref, and yet Ravi stands strong, defender of the faith, champion. Then he died. <laughs> <laughs> he died at 74. Uh, but before we get to what he represents i think we need to clarify that like they call him an evangelist and author but actually ravi is an apologetics guy that's his whole man thing. they love the word apologetics and they apologetics so is just a dumb term that means arguing with people poorly and the idea is that apologetics is about how pe people of the christian faith oh. or presumably other faiths like defend their faith against other uh worldviews and mindsets and religions and like the idea is, I think, not a bad one. The idea that like our faith needs to engage and encounter the other thought processes that are happening in the world. But in practice, it's a lot of like Goy Ben Shapiro's sort of yelling at you. Sort of yelling. It's also it's also like bad faith argumentation about what the other person and, or like belief systems are. And so like yep. to sum it up, Ravi, this is a quote from a professor of history at Messiah College. Ravi was a kind of philosopher for the church. His primary audience was conservative evangelicals with college degrees who wanted to give some kind of rational, 
empirical defense of their faith in the workplace, at the water cooler, and with the people they sat next to on the plane. Okay. All right, Philosopher King Ravi Zacharias, and I'm reading this, and it's about this time that I start having, like, nom flashbacks. <laughs> because there was a, a, a brief chapter in my life that, honestly, I had not thought about in easily a decade. And that's that when I was a young teen, I was sent to an apologetics camp. Wait, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. No, Michael, like, my dad was a pastor and I wasn't on this level of freak shit. What the fuck, man? I, listen, this is what happens when you're a quiet kid who reads books and grow up in a Christian home. They're like, I don't know. This kid's kind of weird. Let's send him to apologetics camp. It's, it's, it's that or they're worried you're going to become a socialist. And, and, and the, they were right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were right to be afraid. So this thing still exists. I looked it up. It's called Worldview Academy. Are you ready for the tagline, Zachary? I'm, I'm really not, man. <laughs> Here we go. Find your reason. Uh, Get it? Get it? Because it works. Because, like, you know, we all need a reason to, like, do things. No. But also, like, Stop. reason. Like, thinking. Stop. Like, Stop. Nope. you don't want to be one of those dumb Christians, right? You want to, like, have five arguments that, you know, someone shoved in your head when you were 14. And then you can just yell them at people on the plane, evidently. Worldview Academy. Be an obnoxious prick to strangers. Um, this <laughs> took place. Academy. This was a three-day event. I, like, went away to this place. How old were you? I Early teens, I don't honestly remember. Somewhere between 13 and 15. Uh, it took place at Wake Forest University. And careful yes. listeners might think, oh, I happen to know that Michael grew up in the town of Wake Forest, North Carolina. That's convenient. It was right next door. As it turns out, no. Because <laughs> Wake Forest University... <laughs> Packed the fuck up and moved out of my hometown of Wake Forest, North mm -hmm. Carolina. Kept the name and just set yep. up shop three hours down the road, which In I don't think is very Salem. cool. Uh, yeah. So I show up to Wake Forest University that is not in Wake Forest. By the way, they sold the campus to Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, which we've talked about many times. Uh, so fuck you for ruining my life by putting me like a couple blocks <laughs> from, away from that thing for the first 18 years of my life. And I show up there, and it's actually very uncanny because one of the things that Wake Forest University did is they tried to sort of recreate downtown Main Street Wake Forest on the college campus. Wait, are you serious? No, I didn't uh, know that. No, this is a real thing. So, like, at That's one point, so we're at lunch, and I walk into a bizarre cafeteria-style amalgam of the like somewhat divey hot dog stand, like not even stand, hot dog like restaurant that exists mm -hmm. in downtown Wake Forest Shorties. It's been there since 1916. It will serve yep. you the same red number five red hot dog with like, you know, onions yeah, and chili it's, it's, on it. For, it's very good. It, it, I, I had a lot of love for Shorties. The best thing about Shorties was being a child that you could wander in there and feel like it was just a little bit seedy. Right? Like, it always smelled a little like cigarette smoke. There were a couple pool tables in the back. Uh, and, like, this was not actually a seedy or dangerous place. But, like, it felt that way for, like, a young kid. It was just like, oh, fuck, this is cool. I'm going to go in the back, and I'm going to play some Galaga. And there's going to be two old men playing pool at noon on a Tuesday. And one of them is going to use a mild curse word, and I'm going to feel as cool as I have ever felt. That was shorties. Then I walk into... <laughs> 
you, you, Zachary, you, you've been to college. You know, you know about how colleges be. You know how everything is like all food offered on college campuses is owned by like one company, and it's always terrible. And any attempt oh, yeah. that they make to make it seem like a human place with people that would actually be passionate about cooking food, it just doesn't exist. You know, the ceilings are always twenty feet tall. It's always super industrial. Like walking into a recreation of shorties that was <laughs> that thing that was essentially the place that was like would you like some fa like that kind of place one of the most uncanny experiences of my life that's so strange i you've never told me this yeah so that was good i don't honestly remember that much about the camp except that you know we were in the dorms it was like summer so you know it's yeah. one of those camps that's renting out the college and yep. so at night you'd be in a room with a few guys and we exclusively talked about which girls were hotter and who was talking to who that was the only topic of conversation never at any point did any sort of apologetics or jesus or god come up it was exclusively a ranking of hotness you know uh, Facebook style, early Facebook style, like we would have all been canceled uh, had anyone been recording that. But it was entirely that thing, only topic of discussion. And the other thing that I remember is that after dinner each night, we would all go back mm. to the auditorium and then they would bring out a person, uh, a representative of another faith. And we got to sort of have a collective debate with that person. So we'd bring out a Buddhist person and people would yell questions from the audience and then the, the person would answer. They brought out an atheist and except those people were not actually representatives of those respective faiths and belief systems. They were just people that worked for the camp pretending. Wait, what? So you had a guy that you're worked you're for Worldview Academy arguing as an atheist. What? That's so insane. Yeah, well, it, it ignores the idea that, like, maybe the person whose whole job is to convince you all this other stuff is wrong might not have the best arguments for why it isn't. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that was the whole – they didn't actually let us encounter anyone of any other face of police systems. That would have been dangerous. So they just, like, had a dude – I don't think they, like, lied and, like, pretended that they actually were, like – these things, but it was just incredibly uncanny to have like the same guy come back every night being like, okay, I'm an atheist now, what's up? I I hope he didn't engage when he was a member of some of the other faiths, I don't know which ones, in a sort of brown face or a turban situation. No, there were, there were no turbans. There were no turbans, thankfully. Uh, I it's will important. say, though, that it would not have surprised me if they were, because to this day, when I was looking up Worldview Academy's website, it has... Uh, thing about like here are the beliefs we're really trying to instill in these teenagers and one of them is that like there's been this big attempt to like soften what it means to be muslim and make it multicultural and we need to hold them to the standards of their actual texts and like basically just 2005 era like muslims are terrorists like hardcore hardcore Oof. it's uh it's not great yeah, the last thing I'll say about that and then we can move to the actual text of this thing <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that there was a girl there. She was not the girl that I was interested in, but she was very interested in me. And she got my email address and proceeded to email me multiple times over a period of like one and a half years. Nice. I never emailed her back. Uh, you Wait, know, you never emailed her back? I never, I never emailed her once. Uh, she was she was slightly strange, but I'm not here to judge that. I'm saying, this is me. I should be canceled. I ghosted super hard. Um, but wow. like... This continued for a very long time. I think I just sort of became a personal blog at, at like some point. I kind of love that. I wish she still emailed you. You should <laughs> you should see if you have any of those and respond now. Uh yeah, my my 
teenage uh, uh, AOL account. Let me see if I can get back into that. Um, okay, so back on topic. Who is Robbie Zacharias? Well, he's dead. He died earlier this year, 74, rare form of cancer. What's interesting about this, given what we're about to discuss, is how many people sung his praises. Just Oh, yeah. And like they're, basically every evangelical just sort of assume that. But we know that. That's boring. You know what's less boring? <laughs> Tim fucking Tebow. Tim Tebow is never boring. Say what you want about the Tebs. He is always interesting. Yeah, he describes he describes Ravi as a hero of his faith and t- talks mm. about like kneeling next to his bed as Ravi was battling cancer. Oh uh, boy, that won't have any different connotations when we get to the rest of this. Uh, you know who else had some kind words? Michael Pence. Well. Wow, and from one hero of the faith to the next. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, just sort of talking about how important and influential Robbie was. And to be fair to Pence, he was. Like, I didn't fully understand how big Robbie Zachariah was. Like, he published 28 books. I'm just going to read a little bit um, of his okay. backstory. You ready for this? Okay, so he grew, yep. up, he grew up in India. He was mm. an atheist. At 17, he tried yep. to commit suicide. This will come up again. When he was in the hospital recovering, he was unsuccessful. Uh, somebody gave him a Bible, and he became a Christian. Very compelling story. He wrote, like, every other article is, like, him telling this tale of the, you know, the youth pastor that came and visited him in the hospital bed and gave him hope and launched his ministry, blah blah We'll get there. At age 19, Zacharias won a preaching contest and began a life of public ministry. Billy Graham minted him, brought him on an international speaking tour. He then re- went on to write 28 books and was sort of known as the guy that would, like, go behind enemy lines you know he he spoke mm-hmm. to american troops in vietnam so you know definitely behind enemy lines Oof. uh he went to speak to the soviet union at the lenin military academy whoa uh in 1993 he spoke to judiciary members in Colombia. you know that that place uh he spoke in the united arab emirates philippines bethlehem palestine He's done it all. He's taught all over the world. Uh, he's been invited to speak to the United Nations on four different occasions. He has a radio show that's broadcast in 32 countries. Uh, his Zacharias Ministries makes over $24 million a year. There we go. Yes. And this guy was current. Like, I, I think, you know, sometimes when, you know, we're talking about these things, you'd be like, oh, this is kind of in the past. But no, like, he spoke at the Southern Baptist Convention in 2018. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Keep, in, keep in mind that year. That'll come up again. So who okay. else? We've got Robbie Zacharias. He's an apologist. He's dead. He was very influential. Uh, he's a guy that lied about his credentials a lot. Mm. This is fun. For years, Mr. Zacharias claimed to be a professor at Oxford. He made his claim in speeches to fans and donors. It was present on his website. In 2018, after decades of ministry, Zacharias was forced to admit that he had never been a professor at Oxford. Well, fucking duh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually mad at all you fucking fat chud bitches who bought that. Yeah, like, I, we're going to get to some more of his academic claims. Um, he's just a schmuck from Canada. Like, fuck off. Yeah. For years, Mr. Zacharias claimed in his author's bio to be Cambridge educated. In that same period mm. of August 2018, he had to admit that he had never enrolled in the University of Cambridge. He based his Cambridge educated claim on merely having observed lectures at the university for a period of two to three months in 1990. Cool, bro. He audited a couple classes and then claimed to be Cambridge educated for years, which I cool, love. Bro. That basically means whatever TED talk you have ever watched, uh, you are you now are that thing. 
Just congratulations. This is some like this is some big Epstein energy. Like the like I'm just gonna have these professors around and like wear the hoodie that says Harvard. And and yeah, just just name it and claim it, man. This is honestly probably just part of his fame practice. It's so yeah, good. There's, the only there's thing there's more than one parallel we'll get into. Yeah. For the record, the only thing that is more embarrassing than like lying about your academic credentials to make it sound like you went to Cambridge is going to fucking Cambridge. Oh, dude. Just totally. so we're clear. Yeah. Uh, if you went to Cambridge and you're listening to this pod, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, Fuck off. Yeah, no, but you are all doctorates in shitty Christians. You you have all received your PhDs from shitty Christians University because you listened to our podcast once, uh, unless you gave us less than five stars on iTunes, in which case we are coming after you. Yeah, fuck off. He also claimed that he had studied quantum physics at Cambridge under the renowned physicist Dr. John Polkinghorne. A oh, totally well, normal. That's name. all. That's all. Yeah. Uh, the university confirmed that the only classes that he taught during the time that uh, Zacharias was, you know, not even enrolled, just around, was about Buddhism. <laughs> so he, he took one of the biggest names in quantum physics, basically claimed that he, you know, he had learned from the masters quantum physics. I'm so smart. I know about quantum physics and Jesus. Uh, no, he just, he just sat in a lecture once. I'm just going to say this is... This is Robbie Zacharias playing on some racism here in Canada and America. That's all I'm just going to... I think he was uh, I think he was playing on some assumed tropes. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, like, grift recognized grift, man. Like, li lying about your credentials to get the job you want is cool. That is undeniably true. All the other <laughs> shit he did is definitely not cool. But, like, fuck all this shit. Like, fuck you for believing yeah. it. This is dumb. Uh, fuck you for thinking that if he actually had those credentials, they would matter also. Oh, yeah. No, both those things are true. Okay. Last thing, you, you may remember a handful of minutes ago, I mentioned that he won, he won this international preaching competition, a thing Is that should definitely exist. Is there anything than the phrase preaching competition, though? I can't, uh, I, you know, honestly, honestly, we have to enroll, right? <laughs> we have to enroll. I mean, one, we have to attend, but like, clearly we need to enroll. That would be so fun. Like, just get up there and spit some shitty Christian servants till they cut our mics 30 seconds in. Please. Yeah, all right, I'm please. in. Let's go. Uh, okay, so he claimed that he won this international preaching competition, which is a fucking horrifying concept, uh, and that, you know, he was awarded the Asian Youth Preacher Award. <laughs> <laughs> fucking cool. <laughs> uh, this next line is perfect. The award never existed. <laughs> Man, I... I'm going to start doing that in the pod, being like, yeah, no, I won the, like, 30-year-old podcaster award. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I I won the the Dirtbag Leftist Award. Get out the way, Chapo. Uh, we, we took the crown. <laughs> no, it's it's fucking incredible. There was, I guess, some Indian-only competition, or India-only competition that was not nearly as, like, prestigious as he was claiming that he may or may not have won. But, like, just incredible Good stuff. Shit. Just a lifetime decades Huge selling grift. books on the backs of like completely fictionalized credentials who else zachary is ravi zacharias uh he's corrupt as shit well yeah in 2015 when uh for some other reasons we'll get into uh an investigative reporter named steve bogman began investigating ravi zacharias uh they sort of got wind that some, someone was sniffing around and they filed a request with the irs to be granted the classification of an association of churches. Uh, hmm. Ravi Zacharias, it does not have any churches. That doesn't <laughs> exist. His whole heavy quotation marks ministry is 
public speaking for like vaguely academic christian like authors yeah he's tony robbins yeah he is and, and not only him but he has a a bench of like a hundred speakers that's his ministry like it's not just him going around he's like shipping out all these other people under his umbrella to go do these things all over the world yeah uh, and then he takes a cut it's business yeah. baby it's business uh but by getting that that uh that designation as an association of churches you know what he didn't have to keep filing Hmm. Any information about salaries, identities Ding. of board members, organizations, top executives. There's a lot of things that somehow become magically protected when you become an association of churches. So we don't actually know from 2015 on what his salary was. What we do know not. is that in 2015, three Zachariah's family members sat on the board of his company. Huh. Wow. I'm so surprised, he said. Ravi served as the chairman, obviously. His wife was the vice chairman, and his daughter, now CEO of the company, served as director. Crazy. This will come up uh, when we start investigating why maybe people didn't feel comfortable bringing allegations to this company because his wife and daughter sat on the board. There's more Ugh. stuff we can get into uh, as far as like creepy money transfers. There's like one board member who is not a family member loaning half a million dollars to their daughter to like huh. do some renovations on their already very expensive house. Dude, what is up with rich people always spending like six figures renovating a home in some sort of grift way? It's like a thing. Yeah, I honestly don't know. I'm sure there's some like rich people horrifying shit. I mean, I assume the reason that you buy a half a million dollar home and then spend almost a half a million dollars renovating is to like get all the weird torture dungeon shit in there like yeah i i get that of course but like <laughs> but there's probably like some tax shit too right there's probably yeah. like well if i buy this home at this price and then turn it into the home uh that yeah. would be that price then it's going to work out better for me anyways there's also indications that the company bought ravi and marjorie a seven hundred thousand dollar home and didn't disclose it cool ding which by the way has happened uh at other institutions we've discussed as well oh absolutely i mean uh especially with churches this is already sort of built in and uh yeah. the the line between parsonage and just buying somebody a house gets real blurry uh legally speaking mm -hmm. uh but it is not blurry when you know you actually investigate what's happening parsonages belong to the church and remain with the church when the person leaves personal homes do not uh Anyways, just just all the standard, you know, there's Ugh. a lot of money flowing through this organization, and it seems like a lot of it was going directly into the pockets of these people. Presumably, when they, you know, they accept donations, they claim that they're a ministry. The idea is that they're helping right. people with this money. That does not appear to be the case. This was a business. I'm sure they did some, you know, charitable whatever. I'm sure they had a drive. Eh. I'm sure they I'm sure they sent some <laughs> Not much boxes. proof of it. A lot of money flowing into these people's homes. And then finally, uh, with a warning for our listeners, it's about to get serious in terms of things of sexual nature. Content warning, obviously. Uh, Ravi Zacharias was a sexual assaulter. Uh, God, you know, I knew it, but like uh, every single one. Like, yeah. It's it's honestly, if if this person's like a famous Christian dude, they're probably a predator. Like it's really intense, man. The the sheer quantity. I think is something that we can maybe encounter a little bit at the end of this. Uh, yeah. Because we are just, you know, this is frankly, like, it's exhausting just how many times yeah, I mean, at this point, dig we, in we, for five seconds. We had a seconds. conversation being like, should we even talk about it? Because it's like, 
it's ubiquitous at this fucking point. Yeah, I think I, the sheer quantity is definitely something that we need to encounter more. But first, let's like look a little bit at these actual allegations. So there were two sure. two main ones. One that came out while he was still alive, which is telling because again, after these allegations were revealed, uh, he spoke at things like the Southern Baptist Convention's National Conference. Yep. Uh, and this was mm. a relationship that he had with a married woman named Lorianne Thompson. Uh, where over a period of years, he essentially groomed her uh, by investing in her and caring her. And like they had a long relationship prior to him uh, soliciting like sexually explicit messages and pictures, escalating mm. into phone sex. They do not appear to have met in person, but this was a, a relationship that for her was very mentory and, and parental. She had had issues with uh, sexual abuse in her past with family members, and she felt very um, cared for and loved and even like surprised to be singled out for this amount of like care from this, you know, paragon of Christian evangelical culture. And once he built up that trust, he started soliciting more and more of these pictures. She Ugh. sent it to him. He called it his daily vitamins. Ew. Uh, and a lot of this stuff that I'm saying is somewhat alleged. There was a non-disclosure agreement that got signed at some point. There is some stuff, however, that is not covered by that non-disclosure agreement. And I'm just going to read... The email that Lorianne sent when she had sort of had enough. And yeah. I, I think it's, you know, it's tough, but it's like what she says versus his response, I think is really telling. She says, if one of my daughters was approached by a man 30 years her senior in a position of power and trust, and this type of thing had occurred, I would be furious. I suspect so would you, if it were one of your precious girls. You, sir, are that man. You, you took advantage of a devastated daughter and left her devoured once again. I am so appalled that I allowed myself to enter into this level of deception. You took and I gave a part of my soul and later my body that was not yours. The investment and relationship from taking my email to taking off my clothes makes me weep, makes me weep with despair, feeling desolate, devastated, and disgusting. Oof. Three and a half hours later, Zachariah sends, the, sends this email back. Are you going to tell him it's me? Wow. Yep. Well, that's a pretty telling response, I would say. I would say so. 48 seconds after that, another email. You promised you wouldn't, Lorianne. You betray me here. I will have no option but to bid this world goodbye. I promise. And then a few minutes Oof. after that, can we not at least meet once before you do this? Please, please. Uh, abuser's going to abuse. Yeah. This, I mean. Um, Man, I'm so glad this motherfucker's dead. And, hell, uh, it is. This is so, nice. so like stereotypically abuser language that it it's kind crazy. of blows my mind. Like this yeah. woman t talks about the great harm that you have done to her, and your response is, "Are you going to? Are, am I going to face any consequences? You promise you wouldn't. I'm going to kill myself if you do. And then, please, 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 can we just meet?" Ugh. It's textbook. It's textbook fucking disgusting shit. And, yeah. and and I don't know how anyone could read that and not be like, okay, cool. We know exactly what's happening here. He later oh, went totally. on to uh, to sue them. He of accused course. them of extortion because they had sent a letter offering to sign an NDA for money. I'm not here to you know judge the actions of victims or speak Never. to the morality of that. Yeah. Uh, I am here to say that like filing a RICO lawsuit against somebody that you have groomed for sexual abuse is fucking disgusting. They later settled out yeah. of court. 
uh, Lorianne and her uh, counselors and lawyers have requested to be freed from this NDA so that they can speak more honestly about some elements of this case that are not. And just in general, I want to take a second to point out that Christians who have engaged in this kind of like evil shit, uh, it is immoral for you to ask somebody to sign an NDA. Obviously, oh, yeah. obviously, NDAs are a tool of the powerful to oppress the weak, uh, you know, a form of saying like, hey, the only justice you're going to get here is a payout if you keep your mouth shut. Like, obviously, we see that in every every corner of business and, and just and again, I am not oh, here yeah. to judge the actions of victims who, who make a rational decision to look at the options they have available and and decide like, hey, I can't fight this fight because I can't win it. Sure. Mm -hmm. that is that is a choice that would be really hard to make and i'm very sympathetic to the reasons that somebody would sign that but it should be standard practice for every christian organization denomination church whatever to be like no ndas go against our belief system we cannot claim that we are fighting for justice or restoration while silencing the oppressed 100 percent. it's fucking disgusting stuff so as a consequence of having access to very expensive lawyers, he was able to sort of successfully smear Lori Ann to the point where the story as he told it was that, you know, he had developed this caring relationship and then she started sending unsolicited sexual pictures to him. And he just happened to not ever report that or say that to anyone at his organization or his wife for an extended period of time until it all came out publicly. That's all. He made a mistake in not blocking the number, but in no way did he participate in this at all. Obviously, incredibly bullshit. Fuck you, you grooming bastard. And yeah. secondly, why the fuck would that be like alleviating you of responsibility? Like if you're right. allowing somebody to do that and accepting that and continuing that interaction and relationship, that's not better. Like your defense, mm -mm. which is a lie, is not less morally culpable than the thing, yeah, the fucking thing you actually did. It's it's so staggering that it's it's like listen, listen. I didn't shoot her. I just sh stabbed her. It's fine. It's, listen, it's like, dude. Fuck off. Come on. Um, so that is Lorianne's story. It's still ongoing. Um, but there is a ton, if you go to julieroys.com, she is an investigative mm -hmm. reporter. We have referenced before. She has a three part series featuring lots of documentation and evidence, speaking directly uh, with people on Lorianne's team. There is a ton of information you can find there. Uh, it is not, victims should not be judged by how much they are able to prove their victimhood. Uh, I no. just want to be very clear about that. But the receipts are here in this case. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you can check that out. The second allegation came out after his death. And this one, uh, this one's pretty bad. Uh, Robbie, as it turns out, was a co-owner of a massage parlor. What? Yeah. For <laughs> Like, no person needs to come in a massage parlor that isn't a masseuse. Yeah. Ex well, I mean, worker ownership for everyone, right? Right now, what we need to know is that Robbie Cohen, this massage parlor, he went there a lot. And wouldn't you know it, he was just not super great at keeping that fucking towel on. Uh. <laughs> and so over a period of years with uh, three women who came forward uh, and spoke with Christianity Today, who did an investigative article on this, claiming a sort of escalation of abuse uh, that began, not unlike Lori Ann, with a deep investment in their lives. He would show up a lot. He would talk to these women. He knew about, you know, abuse that had happened in one of these and one of the people involved's past. You know, he developed that relationship. This is clearly something he was very good at. Groomers are. Uh, yeah. And, and then, you know, 
the classic escalation, uh, leading to, you know, touching these women in ways they didn't want, asking for sexual favors, uh, and a, a huge amount, like, some full-on uh, Louis C.K. shit of just, like, jerking off in front of these women constantly. Like, uh, one of them describes, like, over 50 times. Like, uh, he also couched a lot of his behavior as this being, like, God's blessing to him for all of the hard work that he did. He told one of the victims he was burdened by the demands of ministry and that he needed his therapy. Dude, just fucking stop. Stop. Dude, stop. Stop. There's not much more to say um, other than thank you to all of these women who have, who have come forward and spoken totally. uh, publicly. Some of them under the condition of anonymity, but verified through Christianity Today. They were, another organization was able to get one of the managers for that uh, massage parlor mm -hmm. to speak on the record, confirming that like she had heard some of these allegations. You know, she did apologize for not taking more actions. I am both, uh, you know, unhappy that she did not take uh, that further, but I also want to acknowledge that you're talking about one of the most prominent figures in evangelical culture who co-owns the business that you work for and who are you supposed to report this kind of abuse to if the board is run by his family yep no totally i mean it's 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 obviously set up to where it doesn't matter yeah also the massage parlor was called touch of eden which is just ah. not okay mm -mm. Mm -mm. no good michael over the last year or so that we have done this podcast yeah. i feel it's it's almost overwhelming that i feel like the moment you look squint at a prominent figure in evangelical christianity and honestly in in catholic in catholic christianity too sure yeah we tend to focus on evangelical christianity because that's our background but like clearly catholicism is not free from this shit yeah, but yeah, but exactly. But like, I can, but like, I can Google and find you thousands, if not tens of thousands, of priests. Yes, who who have done this. Spotlight is on Netflix. Yeah, and and like, it's only gotten worse since then. Mm -hmm. So I just, I I I, I sh I'm not surprised, obviously, but I'm blown away by the sheer volume of it, and not just by the numbers, by the ubiquity that this is an enormous percentage. I think we need to acknowledge that the number of cases and issues that we know about is probably yeah. much lower than the actual harm that oh, has almost been by done. Default. Yeah, literally by yeah. default. I think I think it's yeah. you know if we're just going statistically, I think it's only like twenty percent uh, of sexual assault cases you ever get reported. Um, right. So yeah, there might be f there's very possibly five yeah, I mean, times this amount. If we go back to the Houston Chronicle abuse of faith uh, investigation that found over 800 incidences of sexual assault and abuse just within mm -hmm. the Southern Baptist denomination, and that's just what they were able to confirm, like yep. we were talking about an epidemic of sexual abuse. And, and I'm sorry, you know, uh, shout out to friend of the pod, J.D. Greer, who hired a man who had been accused of sexual assault at a previous church to his pastoral mm -hmm. staff for his church. Uh, and this yep. is the guy that's supposed to be leading the path forward when it comes to accountability for these issues in the Southern Baptist Convention. It's it's a joke. Yep. It's embarrassing. And I, I'm not saying there aren't people within that denomination or organization that are trying to do that work really well. 
um, because there are. There was a gentleman who just got hired for a new role, and uh, I'm blanking on his name. I'll try to put it in the show notes. But you know, his wife was a survivor of abuse, and he has made it very clear that this is going to be one of his primary tasks. And uh, you know, I have a lot of hope for like that guy's ability to do good work. But he's fighting an uphill battle against institutional problems, uh, and people yeah. are getting hurt every single day in the name of God. There's something so broken when when I feel very comfortable saying that it is the exception, not the rule, if a powerful man in ministry of any stripe is not in some way either an abuser or covering up abuse in his organization yep. or family. That, that is something we've seen, you know, shout out to Matt Chandler, shout out to Mark Driscoll, like the people who aren't actively engaged in abuse often are covering it up. With that said, I think there are a couple takeaways here, right? Uh, as we already Go said, thank you for the courage of these victims and speaking forward. Um, I pray for more restitution and healing for them. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, for all the people who are continuing to fight and advocate for more transparency, accountability, and prosecution of people who do these things, uh, that is, I think, one of the, should be one of the main tasks of the church. You know, when we talk about the church being in the fight, uh, weeding this stuff out uh, is a huge part of that. But I think if we're going to encounter this issue, uh, we have to start reconceptualizing not just how we handle these cases, but what church is and why we allow power structures that are so toxic, so dangerous, um, mm -hmm. that give people so much power, that allow people to become millionaires claiming to do ministry, and multi-millionaires even. Um, like why these things get to be a part of our faith at all. There is a huge problem with the way that we create powerful people and especially in ministry, exclusively powerful men. But like that shit is fucking corrupting and that's assuming that some of these people started with good intentions, which I don't really believe for the most part. People that pursue mm -hmm. power are usually doing it for ill. I think the task, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago about how to build an anti-fascist church. Um, I think the task of like how to build a church that does not facilitate aid and abet sexual abuse within its ranks is a big topic i think there are some very simple action items that um, victims organizations have advocated for like lists like keeping track of people who abuse and making sure that that information is free and publicly available to other churches um, there's shit we can do to help make this better uh, but i think we have to acknowledge that like something is broken at the core of how we do faith yeah. And until we're willing to reckon with like both the way we allow individuals to have this amount of power and uh, to let people who are harming other people have decades long hyper public ministry. I mean, these allegations were out in 2017. In 2018, Harper Collins, once the lawsuit sort of wrapped up, Harper Collins ordered another book. The SBC invited yep. Ravi to speak at their convention. He continued doing speaking tours up until his cancer diagnosis when he was physically unable to do so. His organization claims that they're doing investigations. The firm that they hired to do them is a crisis management firm. We cannot abide this kind of covering up and ignoring shit anymore. I had a conversation with a family member and one of the things that they said to me was, I never heard any of this when he was alive. With an insinuation yep. that this, you know, that might mean that something is fishy about all this. And the truth is, there's a reason you didn't fucking hear about it, because everyone 
was making their dollar along the way covering it up. It's good business. There is good business in ignoring pain uh, and suffering and abuse. It is easy to make a dollar through exploitation. It is easy to allow exploitation to happen because it keeps a dollar in your pocket. Uh, church has to be better. I mean, the world has to be better. But, you know, this is our block. So we're going to continue talking about these issues. I think probably moving forward, I'm sort of at the point, it's like we need to start hearing more from like organizations that are fighting against this and thinking about how to handle this better. Because frankly, I am just tired. I am tired of talking about another person who got to spend a lifetime uh, being rich and powerful and hurting people in the name of God. It's time to start figuring out how to take even more of the motherfuckers down. That's right. Let's do it. All right. Thank you for uh, letting me go off a little bit at the end there, Zach. I appreciate it. Uh, serious stuff, um, but yes, it has to be confronted. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, this is this is our corner. We got to protect our block as best we can. Uh, with that, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Shitty Christians. I am your host, Michael Tabor. You can find me at Michael Tabor on Twitter. I'm Zachary Allard. You can find me at Zachary underscore Allard. And you can follow the pod at shitty underscore pod or shoot us an email at crappychristians at gmail.com because Google sucks and doesn't let you put cool curse words in your email name. Uh, <laughs> I, I tried to put my first name as shitty. It just didn't work. Super annoying. Anyways, uh, if I could ask all of you dear, dear people, to do one thing before we tune in we see you next week it's rate and review us on itunes and dismantle capitalism from the ground up thanks for listening Friends. I'm bloody dead.